0: gentlemen welcome to another episode of the becoming men podcast i'm your host ray de La Nuez, and this is the podcast for good men on their journey to live epic lives i show up every week with legendary guests who help me bring you some of the most impactful content out there on masculinity and we don't disappoint this week's episode is brought to you by mastermypurpose.com but a little bit more on that later today my guest is don manning don and his wife suzanne wrote a book and founded a ministry both called Crazy Cool Family. And they did this to equip Christian parents to build families with strong relationships with God and with each other. Don, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: My friend, I wanna know if you can go back and talk to your 20 something year old self, you got a minute to talk to that guy and then you're gonna disappear. You only get a minute. What would you say to him?
1: I would say to him, learn to be and in- best lesson I've ever learned in parenting, be an encouraging, inspiring person rather than a critical one. Um, and I've still got a minute, right? So I've got- That's right. One. Because And it's the biggest, instead of me, I, I used to think I knew the answer for everyone. And rather than, and I always had the answer to tell them what to do. Instead, I learned to draw it out of them, to encourage, to tell them who they are rather than who they're not and it changed my relationships with everybody. But most importantly, it changed my relationship with my wife and my seven kids.
0: Wow, wow. I mean, you still have like 20 seconds at the least. You don't want <laughs> to throw in like well, a
1: lottery ticket. Well, I'd put a second one in there and say, learn to listen. Okay. Because, um, and, and they go together, you learn how to talk to people, you learn how to listen to people. I was always the one that, and I still fight it, that um, I knew the answer before they finished their sentence. But instead, I learned how to listen better and um, over my 30 years since I've been in my 20s. And I find that um, what that does is it just makes people feel special. Yeah. And it helps them, especially with my kids, to come to their own conclusions. Rather than, and then they own those conclusions versus me telling them those conclusions.
0: Wow. And you know what? I actually want to unpack those a little bit more, but just to give some context of, you know, what your family is and who it is, how you learn this, right? Like how long it took you to come to this realization and how many people are involved? What's your family construct? So um,
1: we have seven kids. Okay. And um we um my wife brought one to the marriage so we got married when Molly was 2 and I always say kind of I fell in love with Molly so I married her mother but uh <laughs> but I love my she's mine and she's the pa- she and Suzanne are the are the matriarchs of our family now and so then Suzanne and I had Six kids together. We have three girls, and then literally flip the gender, and we have three boys. Wow! So, um, and uh, I always do about parenting, kind of in decades. You know, this is my fourth decade of parenting. So, wow. um, and I'm starting my fourth, and so we have a we have a uh, a sophomore in high school left at home, and then Molly's 33, and then we go down in between there, starting grandkids. But it's just you know in that journey. Um, We've learned a lot, and uh, we, we got really interested. I think it's because we had so many kids. We were kind of outnumbered, and um, we were talking about this before the podcast. I think a, an interesting story for a young dad is um, you know a lot of you guys may have um, young kids. You know, maybe. I think, uh, Ray, you're about to get
0: your fourth. Is that right? That's right. That's right. I, my funny. wife wouldn't be too happy. I revealed that early, but that's right. Oh, oh, um, we can, we can edit that out. We can
1: edit that out. So um, uh, I didn't know that was, I didn't know that was not, but, but, but um, with those three, you know, you start to go, okay, I love those kids. And I mean, I was at that point where I was like, I love my kids. And so, um, and I looked and I said, um, there's, I, I, I can't fail at this. You know, and not only can I not fail, but I got to figure out how to win this. I got to figure out how to be the best dad I can be, how to be the best husband I can be. And man, when I was that age, I didn't have a clue. You know, I mean, it was like and I had I had all girls at the time. I didn't understand them. I mean, it was like, and everybody always thought I was being mad all the time. I didn't think I was being mad, but they did. Yeah. I didn't understand why they thought I was being mad all the time. And, uh, and it was, was, Oh, but it's your tone of voice. Okay. I'm sorry, but this is the, this is me, you know, I'm passionate. I'm, I'm an intense dude, you know, whatever. And, um, but I just learned a lot over time as we were, you know, the, the journey is we started having boys then. And, and it's just been a, a, a journey of learning and a journey of uh, learning about God, learn about myself and learn how to how to interact with these people that are, are
0: just so different than me. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you've done that for four decade, starting your fourth decade. So yeah. I think that there's a little bit that we can definitely uh, glean from this conversation for us young guys who are wanting, striving to be the, the men, the fathers that God has called us to be. And so I really just want to you know, be able to pick your brain about some of the things that you've picked up along the way, and then hear about a little bit more about um, crazy cool family. But to go back to some of the things that you brought up before. Now you said encouraging and listen and learning to listen, becoming more encouraging learning to listen. Can you, do you remember where that like aha moment came that it's like that, that's going to be a key. Was there a moment or was it like legit? You messed up that many times you had that many face plants. Yeah. You know,
1: (laughs) I remember the encouragement part. Um, I'll go over the listening part in just a second. I think the encouragement part, it's actually the first thing I learned because, um, um, i remember literally being it was me and my wife and four daughters and um i i couldn't even i, I felt like the standard was so high that if i got the least bit frustrated they just scattered and ran i couldn't reach them and um i actually have a i had a buddy of mine um do you know the comedian tim Hawkins I think have you have heard of that yeah um, i think i've heard of him He's a YouTube guy. His and his brother. Well, both of them are good friends of mine, actually. But his brother was his manager, and he was a really good friend of mine. And um, I watched him. His name's Todd, and and uh, I watched him with his kids. And he, he was just like I watched him just be so. Inc- I remember, never will forget one time my my youngest daughter was in a recital. You know, like a like they did a dance routine or something at church, and she came out, and I said, "Hey, Mackenzie, you know, great job," and uh, Todd saw her right afterwards, like Mackenzie, that was amazing. You guys did all this stuff. And he just went all off on all this stuff. And I was like, dude, I have no idea how to talk to people like he does. Yeah. And and I remember thinking, I want to do that. And, and also the other thing was, is I was that guy that, you know, I lectured and instructed my kids so they would get better. Yeah. You know, I coached every team they, they played on and and they would get in the car afterwards and I'd be like, that was a great game, but you could have done this. And and it was all designed to help them. Yeah. I didn't have bad intentions, but you know, over time, they didn't want to get in the car with me. You know, they wanted to get in the car with mom. And I was like, why is this? I'm not reaching them. And I had to figure out how to do something different. And and uh, and I remember thinking, you know, oh, I need to um, lecture less and um, and just pick my spots more and become much more encouraging especially like after the ball that was one of the big moments for me was what am I going to do after the ball game and and so I just flipped it and after the ball game I'd be like wow that was amazing I'd try, try to find things they did well and encourage right. them and see it differently and you know um, you know Ray I, I, I tell this story a lot that uh, my second daughter okay she was 16 years old and so i had been going through and it took me that's what i try to tell these young guys took me years to learn this and years of practice over and over because i wasn't wired that way but she we were riding cars she was 16 years old and she was driving actually and she said um and we were talking about that you know we we're talking about encouragement we we're talking about and i told her at that time i said madeline I said, you're an amazing young woman of God. I'm, I'm super impressed with who you are. And she goes, Dad, you had a lot to do with that. And I said, oh, oh, tell me more. You know, <laughs> like, hey, my, my, my kid is complimenting me. This is good. And so right. uh, I mean, she said, and she said something I'll never forget. She said, Dad, you know, she said, five, six, seven, eight years ago, I didn't feel like I could do anything right in your eyes. She said, now, today, I don't feel like I can do anything wrong. Mm. And I was like, ah, thank you, Lord, because I, God showed me something over time. That's why I say it's not a, it's not a one stop. I mean, maybe right. the revelation came at one point, you know, when I was yeah. like, oh, I'm going to change that. But then I had to practice it. Exactly. For, for a long time to get it in. So yeah, I don't because know that, that makes that, sense.
0: Absolutely, because there was a habit there, right? You you said there was a habit of lecturing, a habit of being more critical. And one yeah. thing that I would note, and I think everybody here would agree with is like, we genuinely want to do good we want to show up and be awesome. We want to be good dads. We want to be good husbands, but then there's something that keeps us in this routine cycle of, you know, something that's dysfunctional, something that does not work. And you realize that that was, Hey, I'm lecturing it's for your own good, right? Like you had this intention, this desire to, to, to invest into your children. It's just the approach needed to change. So maybe in your opinion, what is it that you think keeps most men in the, in that, same loop right of being more critical of just disciplining
1: i think that's a good one of them is we just don't know any better Mm. you know we are parenting from our legacy of parenting which comes from you know we and and it's really the way the world tells us to parent it was one of the biggest thing you know i talk about parenting in decades Second decade of parenting, I had a revelation that really changed the way I, um, I approached parenting. And it was um, the value of a relationship. It was really so Matthew 22. They asked Jesus, what was most important? And actually, in that chapter, it's really interesting. They're trying to trick him. If you read through the chapter, they're trying. The the Pharisees try and then the Sadducees try. And then they come back and they're like, OK, Jesus. All right. It actually says they go back and think about it. And they come back and they're like, OK, we got you now. We got They come back. And they say, what's the most important commandment? Yeah. And that like, because, you know, there's 600 of them and they're going to catch him in something. And he says, yeah. no, there's really two guys. I'm not going to tell you just one. I'm going to tell you two. I'm going to tell you, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I said, wow, if that's what Jesus says is most important about life and about my relationships with people, who are the, who's the most important person? Me with God. And then who's the most important people around me? The neighbors, my family. Yes, so I need to approach that through the through the value of relationship, and and my wife and I actually talked about it. You know, sometime at the beginning of that second decade, as our daughters were becoming teenagers, because what we found was a lot of families that were working really hard at raising their kids. I mean, even doing things like homeschooling and everything else, their kids were going south on them, and we looked at why and and. and we believe that became because they didn't value the relationship. They were so fearful, they wanted to control the outcomes. And with their kids' best interest in mind, they were trying to control everything. And their kids said, I don't want that angry, controlling, lecturing God that my parents are putting out for me. And we said, what if we just gambled and did it like Jesus did? and we pursued relationship. And what we found was we didn't work any harder. We just changed the way we worked. right? And we found our kids responded so well. You know, our girls started loving Jesus. Uh They started to connect with each other. They were more confident. They had more, just the same thing my daughter told me. She said, dad, I don't believe I can do anything wrong. We inst- yeah. but we started to instill something rather than instill a fear of the world. We said no. Let's go out there and tackle the world. Let's go yeah. out there with confidence and go get it.
0: And, and practically, have- what what did that look like? Um, so instead of focusing on just you know the actions, controlling those actions, but you focusing on the heart and controlling and and really wanting to influence relationship practically. What does that look like?
1: I think it looks like, you know, two things we started talking about the first. You know, one of the things we talk about a critical family is to encourage extravagantly and correct carefully. Mm. Well, what does that mean? It means that when I look at the situation, when I when I walk into a room, what am I going to do? See that the that the, there's stuff on the floor or am I going to see my child and say, wow, How'd your day go? Man, I heard you, you know, like, for example, one of the things we did, we did a lot is whenever anybody told us something good about our kids, we would celebrate that in our family. Hey, did you, you know what? Mrs. Smith, your teacher today, told me that you help others in the classroom. Do you know how that makes me feel? That just blows me away that you would, without being asked, help other people in the classroom. So you're thinking like that and you're talking to your kids like that, rather than why don't you ever clean up your room? Yes. You know, why don't you ever do this? How how come you're not working harder in your sports? Yes. You know, that type stuff. So that's an example. And just, and just listening to them, um, not being so concerned about what they're doing, but being more concerned about who they're becoming. Wow. And trying to shape that in their lives Hey, you know, seeing a situation, even a discipline situation is, oh, how am I going to build self-control into them rather than me keep telling them what to do?
0: Mm.
1: It's just a mindset, if if that makes sense.
0: Let's take a quick moment to hear from the sponsor of this episode, MasterMyPurpose.com. If you want to clarify your God-given purpose, master the skills of some of the world's most successful and purpose-driven men, and march into action right now, then make sure that you head over to mastermypurpose.com for your free 21-day guide to a purpose-driven year. You'll be able to join the army of men already marching into a new direction and purpose. Again, that's mastermypurpose.com. We, as parents, we feel this this genuine fear of like, I I just hope my kid, you know, he makes it in life with all 10 fingers, 10 toes, right? Like that's number one, but just also that he's like, a good human or he or she that, that they contribute to society that they, you know, are good Christians and we desire yeah. all these things. And so fear starts to come out and we start to control, uh, like you said, behavior, we try to control actions, but what you're talking about is, is pausing to think a little bit differently and approaching it from from a relational standpoint where you come in and you start to, like you said, encourage differently. You start to listen differently. You really get to the heart of the matter so that your kids you're not worried about their doing, you're worried about their whoing, right? And this, this, this podcast is called Becoming Men for a reason. We're worried about who you're becoming, right? Because we want you to be the kind of men that you can look at yourself in the mirror tomorrow morning and be happy about who it is that you look. You want the same thing. We all want the same thing for our kids. So in being concerned, Don, with who our children are becoming, what are some of the things that we can start focusing on internally within ourselves to start shift making that mindset shift right i know you said to to you know like you said encourage more listen more but what can we actually start to do practically in ourselves to say okay i'm going to take a new approach so that i'm going to look at this through the lens of who my child is becoming
1: so so a great way to start i, I love practical and, and um and a, a great way to start if you're a dad or a husband so most of your people, and, and if you're not a husband, maybe you have a girlfriend, you know, maybe you have somebody, a significant other in your life. Maybe you have parents, maybe you have brothers and sisters, because you can, if you're not, you know, working on it with your family that's your, that's becoming, maybe it's a family behind you, but just start asking questions. Yes. Literally, instead of talking all the time, just ask questions uh-huh. and, and, and realize with your, um, you know, let's say it's with your three-year-old. And they can, and you've been gone all day. Hey, you know, um, you know, like, uh, tell me the favorite thing about your day. Well, we went to the park. Really? Okay. So tell me about the park. And then, well, and then all of a sudden, and when you, and at first they may not tell you, cause they may not feel safe with you. Right. Cause they may think if they tell you something, even a three-year-old could say that, you know, we sometimes three-year-olds a lot of times scare their parents because their parents are, every time they say something, the parents get onto them. But I mean... But you say, you know, then you start saying and you just keep asking those questions and then you'll be amazed at what they'll tell you. And what you're doing is you're building identity into your child. Yes. You know, what is our what is the main thing we want out of our Christian life is we want to know we're loved by God. Right. Yes. That's what builds our identity. We are not orphans. We are children of the king. And and that's what Romans 8 tells us, that we are children of the king and we are no longer orphans. We don't act like orphans. We act like we are royalty. We are children of the king. Well, if you listen, if you simply go in and start listening to your child, let them tell you a story and watch their confidence build. Why? You are the king to them. And when you make them feel like an orphan, because you don't listen to them, you don't care, you're always on, on them or whatever... They're going to feel like an orphan. But what if you make them feel like a king? What if you make them feel like a child of the king? That's what listening does, and that's what that, that's just one super practical way a, a dad and do it with your wife.
0: Yes, I mean,
1: how many times does our wife start a story and we finish it for them?
0: Right, man. I I, I actually I'm very aware of this because I had to. Purposely learn to listen, right to my to my wife to uh, learn how to encourage her, learn how to ask questions, and so now when I see it, and I I think some guys are just not aware when they when we're talking as couples, I I most of the times I hear the man interrupt a lot. You know, the wife is not even done with the story, and I honestly I cringe inside because I'm like. I li- we all literally have eye contact on her and you just absolutely took over the story and now you're you're cutting her off. And that happens once. It's cringy. It's like it happens three or four times in the same conversation. And, it, you know, me being on the outside, I see that flaw. But us being in ourselves, we don't see that. Right. So we're not so aware of ourselves. We're so close to the jar that we can't read the label. Right. And so it takes somebody on the outside to really point this stuff out. And I think that's one of the important aspects of community. Right. Of having honest, loving people around you that you can parent with. Right. A tribe, a community that you can actually grow with. Is that something that you found as well?
1: Man, when we were, we grew up in a young church. Uh, actually, my wife and I have been the same church for our whole married lives
0: Ooh, amen. Uh,
1: for 30 years. And, that, and that's now a big church. And, and, but we started it when we were, it started the summer after we got married. And so, um, and and, uh, we helped launch it. And so, in that time, we built a community of families that we're friends with to this day. Not everybody stayed with the church, but uh, today we still have relationships with them. And our kids all grew up together, and and we were learning how to do family together. We went to conferences, and we at that time we didn't have the internet, so we were you know we had to go to conferences and read books, and you know we didn't have the information that was readily available today. But then we'd sit down and talk about them. We. Get around in church and do small groups with yes. cassette, with with VHS tape series. I mean, b- believe it or not, and um, and we would. talk. I'm sorry, what's remember. that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> remember, I'm on my fourth decade of parenting, right? That's right. But, uh, so, um, and uh, it was just very helpful because we did life together and we learned, right. and everybody
0: screwed up. You know, everybody screwed up, but everybody was learning at the same time. Yes. And I I find that to be such a critical component of our parenting style. And I celebrate it because my son will actually say, hey, I want to call, you know, Josh, which is my best friend. And I, my son wants to call this guy who has qualities and who has abilities that I don't. Mm-hmm. And I am absolutely okay with that. Right. I'm okay with the fact that he wants to learn and grow with another man in a certain area that I can't you know, I don't have that expertise in. And so we are intentional about bringing other families to do life with, not just to have casual relationships with. We have actually very few deep relationships with people because we want to be a mile deep rather than, you know, and an inch wide rather than a mile wide and an inch deep. And, you know, I think one of the things that bothers me the most though today is that uh, although we're connected all of the time with our phone here, we are actually very disconnected with other people. Whereas like when you were in your first decade of parenting, you know, people connected by being physically present, but we're connecting again, we're most connected. Everybody knows what's going on, quote unquote, in my life through Instagram and through other social media, but they don't really know because, you know, we don't, we don't choose to connect that well. And so again, just another encouraging piece to step aside from that, know that, that there is a tried and true, uh, tribal way of being, uh, face to face with somebody and that that does have an impact into our kids. What are your thoughts?
1: Oh, I think so. I mean, and even it's as simple as, when you, you know, I, my pastor just gave a sermon on this the other day. And he was talking about how often we, it's almost like he said, you know, if we if we went to a psychiatrist and analyzed it, we would have a, a disorder of how we use our phones and how much we rely on our, and how much we pick it up. I mean, we would literally have a disorder, an, an illness, if sure. uh, or whatever, I don't remember the term he used and I believe that. I mean, I believe that for me um, because and, and really it comes wow. in and really what's the practical part of that when you're talking to someone put down your phone yes don't pick it back up i mean i'm terrible at that but i mean i'm getting better at it but you know just even in this podcast i didn't turn my phone on um airplane mode and so it just it just buzzed yes. oh my goodness what happened you know yes. you, what's going on focus. what am i missing exactly <laughs> exactly so but i mean you know you can practice that little by little by just yes um, putting that phone away when your three-year-old's telling
0: you that story. Um, Yes. That's, and that's where exactly where I wanted to go. Right. Because we do this with each other, with other adults, but then we do it with the three-year-old who's like, but mommy, then I did this. And it's like the most pointless story ever, but like you weren't listening, right? Like you were glued here and And, and they know when you don't listen. Oh yeah. Oh
1: yeah. I mean, they know exactly when you're not tuned in.
0: Don, don't get me wrong. And guys listening, do not misunderstand me. I I have not arrived anywhere. (laughs) I'm only speaking from my own experiences. I have not arrived. Right. So when I pull out my phone and I'm too, you know, engulfed in whatever it is that I'm doing between the five apps and the 10 tabs that I have open, I do have a seven year old who knows a little bit more now who's like, dad, you're just always on your phone. Yeah. Right now he's using that word always. And it kind of, it kind of bugs me initially, right? So then you have to, I have to start checking myself. Cause I'm like, why did my seven-year-old son using the word always just, it just uh, kind of trigger me. Yeah. I'm like, son, I do not always, <laughs> I'm not always <laughs> on my phone. Okay, let's use the correct language here. Yeah. Uh, but you know, to him, that's what he's experiencing. And that's the way that he's trying to convey that. And some of us don't ha- have kids that actually can't convey that or don't know how to convey it, but they still feel it just the same. Do you dream of being known as a resilient and confident Christian man? Maybe you've even wished that you would finally become more faithful and disciplined, but after trying so damn hard, you still don't see any lasting change. So you feel discouraged, and ashamed. And I get that because that was me more than eight years ago. But I can tell you right now that one of the things that's going to help you become the man that God created you to be is by getting a life coach. Somebody who's going to be in your corner and walking with you along the way. And because I understand the transformative power of a virtual life coach, I want to offer you a free session right now on me. All you have to do is head over to thebecomingmen.com forward slash coaching. Again, that's thebecomingmen.com forward slash forward slash coaching
1: i think we can all feel guilty about it but really it's just so often i find and what we try to encourage dads to do is just take a next step just you know try something new you know we have that's why you know even in our in our base camp uh membership site our videos are 10 to 15 minutes long because all i want to do is get one concept in your brain Yes. Then You got to go try it and and work it. You know, I remember one time many years ago, uh, a guy came to me with marriage problems. And, uh, and he was this guy, he was a real buff guy. And he was pretty cocky a little bit. And he's like, I got problems in my marriage, you know, and he's, and he laid out all these issues for me. And I said, Well, here's, here's some things to try. And he he was pretty desperate, because he felt like his marriage was about to, you know, really crater and I said, "Well, maybe you should try a couple of things." And and um, and so he comes back in about a month, and he says, "It didn't work. Didn't work at all. In fact, it's worse than it was." And I said, um, "Hey, man, how long you been married?" He said, 14 years." I said, "How long you been trying this?" He said, "A month." I said, "Okay." I said, "Now, when you're ready to try this over time." and and start try some next steps and, and go into it and uh you know god's not looking at you going you know you're a failure or anything like that he loves you he just wants you to you know just like trying to teach that baby to walk you know we, we're, we're just taking next steps and trying out i said if you'll try keep trying it it'll change over time that's right he wouldn't that's do right. it and he got divorced wow because you know he, he wasn't willing And, and, you know, so what I want to say to those men that are thinking, you know, oh, I'm not doing any of this right, man. God doesn't care about that. And really, your kids, your kids are super resilient. Yes. You know, even the even science now, you know, we're so into relational parenting and science is even telling us how our kids are hardwired to connect with us. As fathers, I mean, so there's this hard wire that's in there that's actually pretty tough. To, we have to work hard at making it, at damaging it. And, and they, it, they are resilient and they'll come back. So if you'll just start trying these things, you'll be amazed at how your kids will respond to it over time. Yes. You and, know and your I, wife your wife's harder because the, the wire's not as hard you know because it <laughs> really is and, and marriage is sometimes the toughest one but uh, but especially with your kids, you'd be amazed at how your kids are dying to respond to you well
0: Yes, you know you, something you just said reminded me of this study that I just heard about uh, recently. it had to do with uh, monkeys being hooked up to wires and they were looking at brain scans uh, they were looking at brain activity, sorry as the a uh, person in front of them, a human, was doing certain activities. So one of them was taking a tea kettle and pouring tea into um, a cup. And they, what they saw, is that the same areas of the of the brain neuro, neurologic that you would use to pour, you know, tea into or water into a teacup, are the same ones that were lit up in the monkeys who were just watching. And so the whole study was just pointing to the fact that we when we are watching something we actually have the same uh neurons in our brains firing the same areas of our brains fire that you would use as if you were actually doing it which is why like you're playing football you can get hyped because you're watching the game and you're wa- you're actually you're using some of the same uh pathways in your brain that that quarterback is using to throw the football so imagine when your kid is watching you I'm talking to Ray here anybody listening Uh, You know, if the shoe fits, whatever. Imagine what your kids are doing neurologically when they're watching you yell at your wife. Mm -hmm. Right. When they're watching you storm away. But then also imagine what's happening inside of their brain when they're watching you clean up your mess. And when they're watching you love your wife and encourage your wife. And like you said, en- encouraging listening and asking questions or they're learning these relational things. Cause honestly we are where we are in our own dysfunction because nobody taught us. Right. Yeah, and had- and
1: exactly. You know, here's the other deal is that, and I think that's, that's such a, it's such an insightful thing. And that's what I keep talking today. We don't know any better. And it really is. Honestly, when I became an encouraging father at first, it felt fake because I had, to, I felt like I was being um, just facetious that I wasn't being genuine. But I mean, I had to kind of fake it till I made it type deal. But I mean, but but because it felt like it was uncomfortable because True. I wasn't raised like that, to your point. Yes. I was, you know, when you did something wrong you, and, and if you did something right, it was like, well, of course you did it right. That's what you're supposed to do, you know, whatever. Yes. But instead, you know, you think about those neurons. There's actually a video that's really cool, too, on YouTube. I don't remember the name of it. I'll try to find it after we get off the show. But um, and you can put it in the notes or something. But um, there's a there's a mom looking at her six month old baby and she's just having fun with her. Hey, baby, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just, you know, being cooing in and just, oh, you're so special and so sweet. And all the mom does is she goes stone face on the baby. So she she goes and and she just stops being good to her, doesn't get angry with her, just just starts to go stone face and doesn't make an expression anymore. Within 20 seconds, the baby's throwing a fit. I mean, it's just like mad and just like trying to get the mom's attention and doing all this stuff with her. And you can Google. We'll put the link in the show notes, if you will. But I mean, it's just it's fascinating to me how our just what you were saying, how our countenance. Yes. The impact our countenance has on our children. Wow. And it doesn't have to be that you're being yelling and screaming at them. It's not being
0: encouraging. Wow. So let me get let me get some, uh, some advice from you. If I'm coming home, like I did today, and I'm a little late <laughs> and I have this stuff on my mind and my family's been home all day. You know, my kids are homeschooled. My wife's been knee deep and everything at home. And you know, so have I, but I'm coming like, what can I do to prepare myself to come home?
1: Yes. And so i I remember again, cassette tape many years ago. i yeah. listened to this guy. I can't remember his name to give him the credit but he told me something that I never forgot that I've taught literally probably thousands of dads now. And it's this, you know, everybody's usually got a ride home. It may be five minutes, your commute maybe 45 minutes, I don't know. But sometime, and this is what he told me, he said, man, when you're pulling in your neighborhood and you gotta get, get you a spot that you're, that's like a trigger spot and you come into your, and you're about, you know, five, eight minutes away from home or whatever, you start praying and thinking this, and, and and you start thinking, okay, if I was my three-year-old, how would I want me to come home? Mm. That was the question he told me to ask myself. If I was my seven-year-old, what would I want from dad when he came home? Well, I would want him to say, hey joey how's it going man great day you know he would say you know how would my wife want me to come home hi honey man you know, she wouldn't want me to say oh my goodness why are there three diapers on the floor over here (laughs) why don't you have dinner made this house is a wreck oh my goodness what's going on i don't think she's going to want that but i think she would want hey honey how was your day man you know come in with energy come in with life and, and, and the way you get that is not from your own manufacture. You get that from the Holy Spirit because you're praying before you get in there. You, you know, Romans 15, 13 says, is, you know, let me fill you up so that you can overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we got to get filled up before we can give out. But yes. and I would do that many days, you know, because I would come home. My wife was homeschooling, had four, four girls at the house, five women. And, I didn't, you know, it was kind of like I would peek open that door. Because I didn't know what was going on, man. It could right. be, it could be everything was great and we were all happy and everything was going, or there could be absolute pandemonium in there. Yes. So what I found was when I came in with positive energy, and I thought about them instead of me. So those are the two things you're doing. You're coming in with positive energy and thinking about them instead of you. A lot of times. I would ch- literally change the atmosphere of my home
0: just simply
1: because of what I did. Wow. Isn't that crazy?
0: Yeah. You changed your mindset. You changed your countenance, you changed your approach and then you started to set the atmosphere right yeah. that you wanted to be in. That's amazing. And I
1: feel, be, I think, you know, coming in saying it might be just, you know, she would say that, you know, the second child has been a brat today. Instead of going lecturing that child, I might just, okay, we're going to the bed and just grab them and start throwing them on the bed and making them laugh and flipping them and, you know, whatever it would be. It was different all the time. That's where the Holy Spirit comes in because, you know, we got to learn how as dads to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit and act on the things. Well, when we prepare our hearts for those things, for those situations, man, the Holy Spirit comes through big time.
0: Yeah. You know, I feel like there's a guy listening right now, maybe two who are just thinking, you know, this all sounds nice, but I, every time I try, it just, it doesn't work or the one or two times that I've tried didn't last. And so I just want to say, I, I went on on a weekend this weekend this is the first time that me and my wife went away overnight since my kids have been born. So seven years. You gotta be kidding me! Yes, I know, I know, and that's a whole separate conversation, right? So the whole podcast. (laughs) uh, Seriously, my I flew my mom down. I was like, "No, babe," I I almost didn't even ask my wife. Like, we are going. I we need this. Good for you. And uh, you know, we had some time together, and I just I sat by. We sat by the water on a bench, and I just told her, you know, I want to recommit to you some things, and this is what it's going to be like. This is the man that I will be to you. This is the father that I will be to our children. I know I have lost sight of that sometimes. I know it's been hectic the last year and this and this and that. And do you know when the next time that recommittal was put to the test? <laughs> within <laughs> within 14 hours. <laughs> how was it, it put to the test? Well, I came home and uh, we we're with the kids now. And they have, you know, the kids have their own thing going on. My wife has her needs going on and I have my desires, right? So my my kids need something, my wife needs something, but dad needs to work on something with the business. And then I have this going on and I'm getting ready for the week. And it's just like, not, it's not time for this stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did I just commit to? And why I think this is important is because that one moment was a, that was a vector point, right? So I could have gone right or left. And a lot of the times our brains, the way that our our neuroplasticity, we are neuroplastic, but the way that our brains are set up, we're going to want to follow the same loops over and over and over again. And so to break a loop, to be able to come in with a different neural pathway, I'm actually going to have to go against the current and go against the the desires of the flesh. And so in that moment, I had to decide, this is how I'm actually going to respond to my life with more patience and with a loving tone. This is how I'm actually going to respond to my children. And I bring that up because I think what it takes, Don, correct me if I'm wrong. It takes concentrated, intentional effort. Mm -hmm. Concentrated, intentional effort with a lot of prayer. That's the caveat. To be able to actually say that the the habits that I have taken over two decades to build are going to go away. It's not going to happen overnight. But as I commit, made that one time committal, I actually get to make that every single day. What I told my wife by the water on that bench is something that I didn't just say once. It's every single day. When I told her I do, it wasn't just once at the altar. It's every single day. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I agree. And I think that every single as I look back over those last three decades, every single change I made in parenting or in my personal life took months, not days and weeks. I mean, I always say that real change takes time, um, that, you know, changes happen. I remember, you know, even from a parenting standpoint, this happens with our children too. I remember my kids used to say, shut up all the time. You know, and I would say, don't say shut up. And they would keep saying, shut up. And I would say it again and they would say, still say, shut up. And like, my kids are dumb. They don't know how to say, they don't know how to learn, you know, and I really didn't think they were dumb, (laughs) but I was like, but, you know, and, but I would keep telling them one day, one day I just realized they didn't say shut up anymore. I was consistent in what I, in the value, the value I wanted was for my kids not to say shut up. It was rude. So when they did it, I would, tell them, and, I, and you know, sometimes rudely, sometimes, but I mean, over time, when I was consistent yeah. with that value, not perfect, but consistent, Yes, and it had the objective of becoming habit in my home.
0: That's right. That's right. And
1: so that's what you're saying too, that, you know, we talk a lot about in our family, but it also works in our own individual lives. What's your value in your home? What are the values? And and once you start a value, then you have to start working on that. And it takes time for it to really become a value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think guys need to have the permission, give yourself permission to fail forward. Yeah. yeah. Don't go backwards. (laughs) Fail forward. If you're going to fail, at least get that length of your body, right? Like what I picture a guy trying to go down into the touch, uh, in the end zone to make that touchdown. And he's like extending his entire body, right. With the football, he's trying to get those extra few feet. Um, So if you're going to fall, you're going to fail, fail forward for sure. Um, There's something else that I wanted to bring up to you, Don, and kind of get your input on. Um, Years ago, when we were having our second child, I listened to this book by a leading neurologist. uh, And he was talking about what is going on in the developing fetus. And why he was doing this is because he wanted to teach parents how to develop the brain. And there was obviously all of this. All these gimmicks with like baby Einstein. And what should your kids actually be listening to? Is it, you know, opera? Is it, uh, you know, Van Gogh? Like what should they actually um, be exposed to, to make your kids smart? And he said he would always go to these uh, conferences and there would be a proud dad in the back of the room that asks the question, how do I get my kids into Harvard? And you know what he's asking is, how do I make make my kids smart and successful? We know, we understand that from that question. And I think every single man could relate to that. And what surprised me from this atheist, right? uh, Mm -hmm. Non believing neuroscience who is a neuroscientist who's only looking at the data, he says the best thing you can do for that developing fetus and for that child growing up is to go home and love your wife. Because the best thing you can do for that child is show that child empathy. Empathy is actually mm-hmm. the biggest determinant of, of a kid being successful. Yeah. I found that amazing. And what are your thoughts?
1: Well, I, I think it's, uh, I agree. And I think it's also, it's what we we found with our family that it's all about relationship. Yeah. It, it's it, It's all about, in fact, you know, I would even extend that to say, the, my my relationship with that child my wife's relationship with that child their sibling's relationship with the child one of the things that we teach at crazy school family a lot is that uh, and and it was something again let's go back to values somebody told us in that into the first decade of parenting your kids should be best friends for life and my wife and i looked at each other and went you've got to be kidding me There's no way that could happen. We didn't, that wasn't a relationship we had growing up. I don't see that, but we prayed about it. And we said, that's a value we want in our home. And so the next 25 years, we fought for that. So today, my kids, my seven kids are all best friends. I mean, literally, I could tell you story after story while we talk about it, Crazy Cool Family is, our kids don't fight, they invest in one another. It goes, it's not, it's not just not fighting, it's about investing. And so, but because of that, my kids are healthier than they would be if their older and younger siblings didn't support them. Yeah. You know, so it's not, just. yeah, the marriage is true. But in fact, we talk about, um, uh, we call it a family dashboard. And I have all the relationship lines drawn in the family, all the, The parent to God, the marriage, the parent to kid, kid to kid, kid to God. There's actually five types of relationships in your home. And and what we found in that second decade is we parented to those lines. Our goal in parenting was, what were we connected with our kids? Were we connected in a marriage? Was I connected with God? Were the kids connected together? And the more we focused on those connections, the better our family became.
0: Yeah. You know, you brought up crazy cool family, and I want to be able to uh, get a little bit more on that. Uh, I know we we opened up with that, and I want the guys to hear what it is that uh, that you're doing there with the podcast ministry. Uh, you also mentioned Base Camp, and then uh, the book.
1: Yeah. So, um, again, sometime in that second decade, I said, um, "I want. I wish somebody would write me a playbook." Mm. I wish somebody would write me a playbook. I'm pulling all this information out of everywhere. I wish somebody that had done it before and done it successfully and studied it would write me a guide. And so that's what we attempted to do with first our book and then in our Basecamp membership site. What's a membership site? Think of Netflix. Netflix is a membership site. It's just a repository of information. Uh, That's free to people. In the, our Netflix isn't free, but our membership is free, and it's got and, and the key in Basecamp, it's got a series of core courses. That there's ten core courses, a series of short videos, that I believe if a if a dad would go, through, if a parent would go through that, they that gives them the framework. And and what it does is what the book and the core courses in Basecamp do is it creates. Um, my pastor talks about how. Vision creates guardrails. As a dad, as a, as a husband, as a person, you need to know what to put into your life and what to leave out of your life. That's right. Because we only have so much time. So it's a matter of, it's not a matter of working harder, it's working smarter and putting the right things into your life. That's what the book and base camp do, is we give you a, a way to, to, to build a framework to build an awesome family in.
0: That's amazing.
1: Then we supplement that with the podcast. Excuse me. And that's more topical. It just, you know, it's stuff like this. We're talking about things, you know, I just interviewed a guy today. He's going to be on our podcast a little later. He's got a book about um, it's called The Talk About Money. And he shows you how to train your kids about money and stuff. So we'll talk about a lot of stuff in the podcast, just like you do with with stuff. But um, but the book and the core courses in our base camp, And all you do is go to basecamp.crazycoolfamily.com. It's free, it takes about a minute to sign up. And then, um, and we're also on social media on um, uh, Facebook and Instagram, but that's where, but our goal and everything is to get parents to connect with us so we can show them. I've got, I think, I don't remember if I mentioned this in the podcast or when we were talking about, but uh, last, um, last week I started 30 guys from our church and I said, uh, I said, give me a school year and give me one hour a week and I'll teach you to be an awesome dad. Now, no. I haven't set that up where I can do it for your guys yet. That may be next year, but, yeah. uh, but right now they can go to our book and they can go to base camp on their own. And we've got small group stuff set up and everything
0: like that. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Becoming Men podcast. My hope is that this show is impactful and it is a tool for you to grow as you become the man that you were created to be. If this is your first time joining us, then make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you won't miss another life changing episode. And by the way, if you want to reach me, get a hold of me personally, you can find me on Instagram, on Twitter at Ray De La Nuez. And if you want to help us transform the lives of men from around the world, then you can right now by taking a quick moment to leave us an honest review on iTunes. That small little act does so much to get this podcast in front of the right men. Gentlemen, until next time, continue to march.